very much for the welcome. It's good to see all of you this morning. All of us have been through some hard times. All of us, the entire world, uh, for the last one year and a half, we've all gone through something. And it's so beautiful to see that you guys are still alive. You are here. You are praising God. <laughs> it's like a dream. So we praise God for the great things he has done. Uh, I bring greetings to you from Kigali, New Life Bible Church, and the African New Life Ministries. Uh, they love you. They think about you. We prayed for you guys as we are going through your own seasons here, and uh, I thank God we are here. Uh, about 20 years ago, I came to this church, and I'm still grateful to the elders of the church, the pastors of the church, the leadership of this church for they graciously accepted me when Pastor Steve Holly introduced me to the church. And at that time, about 20 years ago, I was talking about a new ministry. I was starting in Rwanda called African New Life to rebuild the nation from the ruins of the genocide of the two people in Rwanda. And today, you can see some of the results. Frida is the result of that dream. And um, for, for 20 years, we've, we've been partners. We've been partners in health, beauty hospital. The doctor is here. And many, many of your doctors have been in Rwanda, been part of the story. And the brain is behind the, the development of the second best hospital in the nation of Rwanda, private hospital right now in the city of Kigali. Uh, we've been partners in developing Africa College of Theology, which is now accredited by, uh, by the Higher Education Council of Rwanda, the first theological school to be accredited by the government. Uh, and it's, a, it's been a battle and a miracle. Uh, a little bit over 11,000 children, from nine children to 11,000, are being sponsored by African New Life Ministries. And you guys are a part of that story. Uh, many women empowerment programs, my wife is here, and they've empowered so many women all over the country. God has done great things, and we celebrate 20 years of God's greatness and beauty. Let us rejoice for what the Lord our God has done, and thank you for being part of this. Now, as we celebrate, we are also envisioning the future. And our future right now is to put churches in all the hills of Rwanda, like put churches in all the hills of Rwanda, provide churches in communities so that people don't have to walk forever to get to a church, but be able to, to sponsor children within those communities. And I am glad today to be here to invite you to go with me to the southern part of Rwanda, a place called Nyamagabe, where we are starting African New Life Ministries. And Nyamagabe is a place where you guys have given us money to buy property. And last Friday, we paid off the land in Nyamagabe to build a church. Thank you again for your offering. But also, Nyamagabe for me 
is a place I was hesitant to go. I've lived in Rwanda now for a little bit over 20 years uh, after returning from being a refugee, but I had not went into the depth of Nyamagabe. And the reason I didn't go there is because Nyamagabe is the place where my great, great, my great parents live, my grand, great parents live, my grandparents lived there. My parents were born in Nyamagabe, and in 1959, they were among the first two of people of Rwanda to be massacred in that area. And my father was able to run away. And my mom, my dad was like 19 years of age. My mom maybe 18. My dad had to walk on foot from Nyamagabe into Burundi, from Burundi to Tanzania, and he got refugee in Uganda. My mom into Congo, and then later on into Uganda. So those exoduses of refugee people running away on, on, on TV, my parents were like that in Nyamagabe. And in that place, I had the opportunity of going back as we envisioned to start African New Life in Yamagabe. And my standing in Yamagabe was my best thermometer for my spirituality ever. Because I always have said, I have forgiven those who killed my family members. I have forgiven those who hated my families for many years. And made us to be refugees for 30 years. I have declared my forgiveness in many ways. But standing in Yamagabe and looking at a piece of property where my mom was raised without hatred in my heart. But only love and compassion for the grandchildren of those who killed my family was a major breakthrough for my heart that we can actually love our enemies uh, only by the grace of God, only by the grace of God, only by the breakthrough given to us by the Holy Spirit. So I had a breakthrough through my Jonah experience, and now African New Life begins in Yamagabe. So thank you for being part of this experience for us. Uh, today, I want to bring a message I've called, What Matters Most in the Church. And let's pray. God, I ask you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to send your spirit and use me and give me the right words and give me understanding of what I should say to your people. That's edifying, that's building, that's correcting, and that's teaching to this community that I love and loves you so much. We thank you. Lord, we love you. And we want to listen to you from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, there are some verses I love in my Bible because you don't need a dictionary. You don't need a commentary to, to, to break them down. They are so clear. It's like the word of God is so clear. And then I love it when the word of God interprets the word. So basically, we have no assumptions here. Uh, in the book of John, chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, it's a very clear verse. And it says, a new command I give you, love one another. This is Jesus. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It says, you know, I give you a new command. The command is that you guys love one another. You are the church. And the church is made of people from different races, from different nations. The Church of Christ is in, is in Russia, is in China, is in, is in Rwanda, is in America, it's in Europe, it's in Zimbabwe. It's even in nations you don't want to hear about. You know, there are some nations when someone talks about that nation, it's like, mm -mm, this nation should not exist on the planet Earth. But you know, Jesus died for each of them on the cross, and he loves them so much. And because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have become one person, and we are called the body of Jesus Christ. We are the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, who loved us so much, he told us, you must love one another. It's a command. It's not, you don't have a choice. If you choose to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and be part of the church, you don't have a choice. You must love one another. Thank God he didn't say you must like one another. <laughs> because <laughs> there are some people I don't like. I just, I just, I just bear them. Uh, I don't like the way they speak. I don't like the way, what they believe. I don't even like their educational formation because it's completely different from mine in many ways. But Jesus says, you must love one another. And he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you are the church. You are my disciples. You are the church, you are the disciples of Jesus Christ. In other words, by love, we put on a show to the rest of the world to show them that we are actually uh, disciples of Christ here. We are disciples, Christ followers, and we are individuals who have been changed. Why love matters most? Why love must be number one? I want to read a verse again from the book of John, First John. Chapter 14, verse 16. This is what I really believe why love matters most. The content is here. It says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have known and we have believed it. Okay? We have no doubt. And it says, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. That's how we are in God. And God in him. And listen to this. God is love. If someone ever asked you to define who is God, you define God as love. And because God is love, in loving, we are mostly like him. We are more like God when we love. In other words, we are transformed more into the image of Christ, into the image of God by the act of love. So love is the foundational command which God has given us because even the Bible says the law can be summed up in one command. Love others 
as I have loved thee, uh, as you love yourself. Love others as you love yourself. In other words, the level of love in the church determines the spiritual health of the church. So, for example, if we wanted to put a survey out there to determine the level of the healthy of the church, the healthy of the community, we some kind of sociologists and some smart people could come up with a, a, a way to determine the, the, the health of the church by determining how much we love one another. And if you don't mind, look at the person next to you. How much do you love them? They may be different from you. How much do you love them? They may be a different age. How much do you love them? You might have had an argument last night, a terrible one. <laughs> but finally, you've been able to come to church. How much do you love them even after having that argument? You know, Paul, Paul, a very gifted theologian. Paul is my best friend in the scriptures. I can read the book of Romans again and again and again and again and still like feel intellectually satisfied by reading the book of Romans. The very smart man. But this smart man makes a big emphasis on love. And he says, no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I am bankrupt without love. I'm empty. I am poor. Jesus said our love for each other is the greatest witness to the world that we belong to him. Yes, your strong love for each other is a proof to the world that you are the disciples of Jesus Christ. Friends, you remember I said your love. I didn't say your theology. Okay? I love theology, but I didn't say your theology. Our doctrine, our theology must be biblical, but I didn't say your theology. He said your love. Because if, it, if, if, if what unites us is just only our theology, men will be fighting each other all the time. It's not even your political ideology, okay? Politics divide us and politicians manipulate us and use us to achieve their goal. That's why Jesus Christ never started a political party in the middle of the Roman Empire. He started a church so that we can experience the love of God. Because right here in this space, this is the safest place to be yourself. And to be accepted and to be corrected and proved. He didn't even talk about our style of worship. You guys, if you came to Rwanda, our style of worship is a whole hour with, with very loud music and dancing from the other side to this side. Right now, we are struggling in COVID, even in our worship, because you are supposed to be in one place, two meters from each other, and you can't move to the other side and the other side. Man, we are confined in our worship and spirituality. But let me tell you, that is not enough of a proof to prove that you are the church of Jesus Christ. He said by loving one another, they will know that you are my disciples. What is love according to the Bible? Love is patient. That's how you define love. Love is kind. 
I remember when I was young, we used to define love, that love is the feeling you feel before you feel a feel that feels you. Okay? And man, that feel comes and leaves you in a twinkling of an eye. So it doesn't define love. The Bible defines love as patience, as kindness, as not being envious, as not being boastful but humble, as not being proud. Uh, love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Mm-mm. That one, being easily angered. For some people, if you touch it on things they don't want you to talk about, they start flaming up in a fire of anger. And then he says it keeps no, it keeps no record of wrongs. In other words, love doesn't have a blacker book. Okay, love does not keep records, bad, wrong, or records. Love forgives. Friends, if I made you angry and messed you up last week, I am sorry, forgive me, I'll never do it again. Will you love me again? That's love. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritatable. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. And listen to this, endures all things. Man, there are some people we just have to endure. Some of you have teenagers. You have some teenagers. You just have to endure them for the next five years and they'll leave your house and go. It endures. It endures. It provides a lot of endurance. There are some people, like I told you, I don't like them, but I endure them. What can I do? This is the way to show that I'm a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Love makes us more like Jesus. We need to consistently be reminded to make love a top priority in our churches. To be reminded all the time. I really think this message of love should be preached in our churches at least three or four times a year. To be reminded because we forget so quickly. Why? Because a church without love is just making noise. If it doesn't matter how loud I can be as an African worshiper. If I don't have love for my enemy, I am just making noise. This is a big test for us as Rwandan churches. Because we come from a background of years of splits and fights and hatred. I mean, of the Hutu and the, the Tusi and the, the, the genocide against the Tusi people of Rwanda in 1994. And then when you come in the church, you sit over there and in the other corner, you can see a son of, of a son whose father is in prison for having killed the, 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 the son of another uh, guy on this side who is now, whose name now is in the genocide memorial. I mean, there's so much that is actually uh, going on and that has gone on for, for years within our community. And as Rwandan Christians, the whole idea of worshiping and singing and preaching 
teaching without doing reconciliation and forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ does not make us a church. So what makes us a church and what is building the church of Rwanda is that in the last 20 years plus 20 years, we have been moving from the left and the right into the center and our center is God through Jesus Christ in the church where uh, individuals who lost and those no one gained by the way the killers lost those who were killed were lost we are saying we cannot rehearse pain we cannot repeat this we have to be the church and we have to be a different church not the church of the old because some people were killed in, in churches in Rwanda we have to be the true church of Jesus Christ and it's my privilege to announce that the church in Rwanda is gradually and gradually becoming the true church of Jesus Christ because we are learning to love one another in spite of our differences, in spite of our backgrounds, in spite of the experiences of pain and trauma we have encountered. Just like I told you when I stood in Yamagabe and felt love and concern for those people, I felt like, wow, I am healed in the name of Jesus and my trauma is gone. And finally, I am a free Christian. And I can love my enemies. <laughs> Number two. Love is the best evaluation for spiritual maturity. It's how you can evaluate spiritual maturity. And I'll tell you why. This is what happened to me when I was growing up. I grew up in a village. And in this village where we grew up, uh, some of the older people didn't know how to write or read. Like they can't write, they can't read. So basically, the scriptures we read for them is what they were using to grow spiritually. And they would memorize scripture. So basically, some of us have the whole Bible, but these ladies have a few verses of the scripture because that's all we can give to them as we read to them. And uh, I watched these old women in the church. And to me, they were the highest pinnacle of spiritual growth with very little, but with so much love in their heart. It's like the few, it's like the more verses you have, the less you practice the Bible. And the fewer verses you have, you dearly love them and practice them because that's all you know and can't get. And I would see how much they loved me, how much they loved me into the church. They loved me into the kingdom of God, and that transformed my life. And I can confidently say they were mature Christians that many people I knew who had a lot of education in their heads, but very small hearts. Loving our enemies is the best test for our character. That's how we can test our character. That, oh, oh, I am really a man of character. I'm a woman of character because I can love my enemy. It is, that's why it is the best way to express our faith. 
the best way to express your faith is by loving your enemies. That's really, you, you, you can actually declare your statement of faith by loving your enemies. And say, man, I have 10 points behind me. And because of the 10 points behind me, I love you. I have six pages. When I was in seminary, I wrote, I think, what, six pages of my own statement of faith and described everything. But with the six pages behind me from seminary, the greatest way to express that statement of faith behind me is by loving my enemies. How practically can we be a loving church? How can we do this in a practical way? Like do it every day. Live it out every day. Because sometimes we speak a lot of Christian language in the church. In my country, we use a terminology called urukuristayo, which means or Christian, like a Christian language, which doesn't actually give us practical ways to do life. But number one, this is what we do. We maintain a harmonious atmosphere. We make it a reason to maintain a harmonious atmosphere. Some people who know me in Rwanda, I am not a fighter. I am not a fighter. I was a fighter for too long. And I stopped fighting for, for everything. Because I found out by fighting I don't win. But by love, I win. And by love, we do win. One of the reasons God blesses African New Life Ministries in Rwanda is because God has given us the grace to create a loving community. That is actually going to be very Hard. I'll give you an example. One of our sponsored students was traveling in a bus. And in a bus, a number of people started talking about African New Life Ministries in a bad way. Like in a bad way. And you know, sometimes people can be nasty and bad even when they don't have something to say about you. And this girl stood out in the bus and said, no, 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 no. African New Life sponsors me. And silenced everybody. You know, when we love people, we win them. In a country where I come from, the church is not as much favored as it is here in the U.S., Man, you guys have a lot of freedom in the church more than we can ever have. And it's ingrained within your constitution and your way of life. Back home, the church committed the genocide, was part of the people that committed the genocide against the two people. And the government looks at the church with suspicion. Are they the old church or are they a new church? And it's very easy to exaggerate any mistake we do. But what has happened through new life? We have spread the love of God everywhere. Even the politicians who don't believe in Jesus Christ, they accept us into their communities. Just because they see a difference. They see that we are out to, to love them. We are out to, to serve them. We are out to, to make a difference in their communities. When you love someone's child, there's no way that person 
is going to hate you. And I think that's the power of African New Life. The power of African New Life is the love for the child. Yes, we do churches, we do medicine, we do different things, but that love for the innocent poor child in the community makes an incredible difference. And you guys have helped us through years to love on those children. By the way, I don't know if I told you, I have more children, this time from Nyamagabe, from my place, my, 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 my place where my great-grandparents were raised up, right behind here, who need to be uh, sponsored. And our goal is to get a hundred of them sponsored. And, 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 and through those children, we want to create a harmonious atmosphere in the midst of the church by offering them love that we really love them. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 to 18 says, Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil. Did you hear that? Repay no evil for evil. Rehearse no evil. Repeat no hatred. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. What is honorable? Love for one another is honorable. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all people. In Romans chapter 14, verse 19, the Bible says, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual Apple building. And from this verse, those two verses, we see Paul emphasizing two important things. He wants us as a community of faith, in, 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 among other communities of faith where we live, to actually focus on harmony. Now, because I focus on harmony. It does not mean I have to believe what you believe. Do things the way you do things. Promote what you promote. It just means that I am not in, I'm not there to, to start unnecessary battles, but I am available to love you in your difficult moments. And number two, he talks, he says, those things actually help us to grow the church, to promote the church. So we should aim at things that are going to bring peace in our midst. And to be able to have peace, sometimes you have to give up your rights. And that's not easy. It's the same thing like a marriage. In a marriage, sometimes you have to give up your rights to be able to have some peace in the house. And when you do that, you actually have peace and you enjoy it. Peace is better than fighting. It's better than a war. It's a better environment to thrive in. So we may have differences on food, on, on carpet. Here in America, you even define carpets and the paint in the church. You know, we don't have carpets, so we don't have carpet battles. Uh, we don't have a lot of paints here, uh, so we don't have painty uh, battles. Uh, but you know, we may differ on all these things. We may differ politically. We may even differ on which football team. You support. But let us focus on building up the body.
building up each other. Number two, let us commit to being a people lover, lover, an encourager, that we love people. I mean, you love people. Woo, what a beautiful gift to become a people lover. And you, you don't have to like everybody, but you love them. Okay? You don't have to like everybody, but you love them. You love them. You know, I like her and love my wife, but not every other woman. Okay? I don't. So, you, you have to be very careful in your life to focus on things that help you to love others. Paul instructs us to focus on what builds up. This world is full of many, many problems. Many, many problems. Let me tell you, there are so many discouragements. There are so many people who are discouraged everywhere. When uh, I, I, I used to think that poor people don't have, I mean, rich people don't have problems and only poor people have problems. Let me tell you, there are so many rich people who have problems and they need someone to love them and encourage them. You want to focus more on encouraging and building up each other in love than tearing up each other. Instead of criticizing people we don't agree with or whose lifestyle we don't like, we should pray for them and encourage them and leave the rest in the hands of God. Number three, let us value every person and judge not. And that's very hard. The whole idea of valuing every person. Uh, be, be, because sometimes we, we, we make small statements that dehumanize people. Small statements, things that actually don't make them feel important. And we, 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 we break them down. And I have heard those things go through in my ears in some incidences and say, oh, that does not make sense. Even in my home country, I hear some people say some things and say, mm -mm, that is dehumanizing other people. In Rwanda, we know what it means to be dehumanized. In our nation, for over 40 years, the two people of Rwanda were considered by other people to be a snake, to be a cockroach. You know, like a cockroach, which actually means you can break it and feel no guilty that you've done it. Most of the times before genocide happens, they start by dehumanizing those people. And when they make them nothing, then they destroy them and kill them with no condemnation in their Hearts. So the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 6, I'll read part of this. And it says, judge, don't do not judge, or you will be too also judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the same measure you use, that measure will be used on you. Don't judge, okay? Love, value other people. Why do you look at the speck of the sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take, that, let me take it out of your eye? 
when you actually have your own. It's dangerous when as a church, when, when as Christ followers, we become hypocrites. It, uh, and we become like uh, the Pharisees. That's why I am calling out to authentic Christianity. Authentic Christianity. A vulnerable Christianity where you kind of feel vulnerable. You are not uh, your own. You are trusting God in that uh, moment. There are so many moments I have felt uh, vulnerable, even with my fellow pastors in the city where I'm about to start a major argument and I have to withdraw to build a relationship before I can start a theological argument. Build a relationship and after building a relationship, then I start the theological argument because I love them. And we start talking about those things. Number four, let us love outside our comfort zone. And uh, we have our comfortable zones. In America, you have zip codes. And I've come to learn about those zip codes as I continue to come to America. That those zip codes, man, they, they create so many differences. I want to encourage you to love across your zip zone. Get out of your zip zone and go to a zip zone that's which you are not comfortable with. Plant your life there and love those people. Hello? That's loving out of your comfort zone. People who are different from you. For a number of years, I've been speaking to, to our church. And in our church, I've been trying to tell older people in the church, uh, telling them, I want us to build a church for our children. In fact, I practically stood up and I said, I have been going to church for 30 years. And I can still be a Christian without waking up to go to church on Sunday. I go because it's a must. But let me tell you, I want my children to go to church. And I don't want my children to get out of my church and go to another church. I really feel bad about that. I want my children to attend my own church where I preach. So I told these people, we are going to do whatever we can do to keep these kids here. We are going to build a church for them. We are going to love outside our way of doing things. And when you come to new life, the church has changed so much. And much of it, especially in the music, is not towards my traditional choices. But do you know what it's doing? It's bringing younger people to Jesus. And he puts them in that sanctuary where I preach the gospel. And they are not leaving the church to go to other places. And then I kept telling them, I don't like their hair. And I forget that I don't like their hair. But when I was young, I used to have a lot of hair on my head. And some old folks in the church still loved me with my 
hair. They are different. Of recent, I was talking to a younger man about his hair. And he said, Pastor, this is the style. Let me tell you, I'm not going to fight over styles. I'm going to love across the borders. I'm going to love across the areas I don't want to go. And as I do that, you know what happens? I build relationships. And as I build those relationships, I teach them my theology. I teach them my God. And gradually, do you know what happens? They start having better haircuts. They start uh, wearing uh, a longer dress. Uh, it's, 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 it's not an easy one for me. But you know, I am trying to be a Christian and to be a lover of people. Luke chapter 6 verse 31 says, Do to others as, as you would have them do to you. 32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners choose those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those you, whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. That's hard. Love your enemies, especially when they kill your family. Love your enemies. They did not only steal money from the bank. They did not only vote for someone you didn't want them to vote for. That comes for four years, and in four years it's gone. And another four years you can have what you want. Okay? But it says, love your enemies who killed your father, and your father will never return. Love your enemies, and they killed your uncle, and your uncle will never return. They killed your brother, and you may not see your brother for the next 30 years, or 40 years, or 50 years, till you go to heaven. And it says, love them, and do good to them. Do good to them. Lend them without expecting to get anything back. And listen to this powerful statement. And then the Bible says, then your reward will be what? Will be great. And you will be the children of the Most High. Take away the reward. Let me be the child of the Most High. If forgiveness, reconciliation, love qualifies me to be the child of the Most High, I'm going to do it at any cost, at any loss. And listen to this. Because he's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. And you know, I see that. It's a terrible thing to help people and those the same people turn around and hurt you. But he says, because he's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. And in love, we are more like a God. Do you want to become more like a God? Do you want to become more like a Jesus Christ? Do you want to be transformed more into the image of our Savior, which is the goal of every Christian? The goal of every Christian is spiritual growth. And the pinnacle of our spiritual growth is when we become a loving community. So what matters most in 
the church. Man, there are so things that are important in the church. Your offering is important. It keeps the church running. Doctrine is important. It keeps us on the right track. There are so many things that are important in the church. But the most important one, something that matters most, on which we can build everything, which is the foundation for everything, is creating a loving community. And I want to thank you as Emmanuel. For 20 years, you've been a loving community for African New Life Ministries. If any other missionary you've supported has felt love and care, we have. We are number one. And we feel the privilege of being so. We've seen that in the hands of your men, loving people. We've seen that in the hands of your doctors. We've seen that in the hands of your generosity. I remember coming to a Sunday school here, and Papa Bill sponsored 17 children at the beginning of African New Life in a twinkling of an eye. You have made a difference in our lives in Rwanda. We love you. We bless you. And we, we celebrate together 20 years of African New Life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the church. We thank you for the loving relationship we've seen here at Emmanuel between us and African New Life. People who are so much different from us, from different backgrounds, but through their missions and ministry, they have touched us and helped us rebuild Rwanda. Lord, I stand here to ask you to reward them, to bless them, and to bless this church. And I pray that the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. And now for a parting word from Pastor Jesse Johnson. Thanks for joining us today. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area, I would love to meet you personally at Emmanuel Bible Church. Our service times and other church information is on our website at ibc.church. If you want information about the Master's Seminary and their Washington, D.C. location, go to tms.edu. I hope this resource has been an encouragement to you and it helps you seek the Lord daily, serve others around you, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.